ready to go when Shainu teaches. Good morning. If you all could just please open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 to 33. It can be found on page 978 in the Black Bibles. That's Ephesians 5, verses 22 to 33, and that's on page 978 in the Black Bibles. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. The word of the Lord. Morning, everyone. It's so good to be here with everyone. I feel like Month or every other month we've been doing this, and this has just been incredible to be able to get together and study God's Word together. So we're going to continue our time together this morning considering what the Bible teaches us as women who love God and want to live according to His Word. Now, some of you may know this story. My husband, Ajay, and I, we met while we were in college when we were in upstate uh, New York. And while we were there, for several years, we were part of a leadership team for a Christian ministry on campus. Um, During those years, we never really hung out alone with each other because, well, we weren't interested in each other that way. But as I was getting ready to graduate, something changed. Um, We started noticing each other a little differently. So one fine day, we went to a McDonald's, and Ajay told me that, or Ajay had something to tell me. Now... If you know Ajay, God has given him the gift of eloquence and communication. It failed him big time. (laughs) So he had this extra large giant Coke and somehow gulping through it, he communicated to me that he liked me. And I sort of stuttered back and I said, yep, me too, the same, right? And that's when we realized, wait a minute, we don't really know each other. I knew that he loved Jesus He knew I love Jesus, but that was about it. So we decided, wait, we need to talk to each other. We need to get to each other, know each other. And so we decided, let's talk on the phone later in the evening. And now when you want to get to know each other, what do you do? You ask questions like, do you like sports? Um, Do you like going to the movies? Are you a foodie like me? Um, I don't know what Ajay asked me first, but do you know what the second question he asked me was? And I'm not making this up. He told me, Shainu, I believe that God has called a man to lead his family. I believe that God has asked a man to be the head 
and to lead. If we get married, will you have trouble submitting to me? <laughs> and uh, here I'm on the other line. Um, who asked that to a girl on their first date? Okay, so it was on the phone, but who does that? But I guess I really like the guy, so I said, yeah, sure, no problem. I'll submit. <laughs> okay, so um, I knew that I'd always want the guy that I'd marry to be the one who'd lead our family. But what I did not know is what it would look like for me to submit to my husband. I've been married for about 11 years right now. And can I tell you, I've read this passage many times. Maybe I just glossed over it. Maybe I just never considered what submission meant. See, I like having things my way. Sarah will tell you when she went to pick out these flowers, I sort of told her what I wanted. I like things my way. I have opinions. I fight. My dad thought I was going to end up being a lawyer. That didn't happen. But I have my opinions. Submission does not come naturally to me at all. Our first years of marriage was filled with a lot of struggle. And as I look back, I realize that if I had understood this word better, my marriage could have looked a lot different. But I'm so grateful that God, in his grace, has taught me so much over the years. I feel like I've been around women who have done this well, and I'm still learning. There's so much to learn but I'm not where I was 10 years ago, and our, our marriage is so much more beautiful for that. You know, it's well and good to ask someone to lead. There's some sense of pride to that, right? But submitting to someone else, giving into someone else's authority, being humble enough to say, yeah, you lead and I'll follow, having the last word or not having the last word, it's not easy. It certainly wasn't easy for me. Now, before we start unpacking our passage today, I really want us to understand what this letter is about. So Christia talked about the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. Timothy was one of the pastors or apprentices in this place called Ephesus. So Paul is writing to the Ephesian church. And let me share a little side note with you. If you've, around, if you've been around people who have gone to seminary, you'll hear them throw around big words like indicative and imperative. So a few weeks ago, I went to a conference at Westminster Seminary. Can I tell you, I came back with all these question marks in my notes because I didn't know what half the words they were using were. So well, in the first half of Ephesians, Paul gives us the indicatives, and the last few chapters, he gives us the imperatives. I went home and I did my homework. So for us lay people, this is what that means. The indicative refers to who God is and what Christ has done for us. It declares our standing in him. It establishes our identity and our calling. So Paul does this in chapters 1 through 3. And then a shift happens in the fourth chapter. In verse 1, he tells them, Therefore, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. So in fact, chapters 4 through 6, Paul gives us the imperatives, or the call to believers to live in a certain way. In a certain way. If this is your identity in Christ, this is how you should live it out. And sandwiched right in between those chapters is the passage we'll spend time today. 
So the portion in chapter five that we're gonna to address today, it seems to be very specific, addressed to a specific audience. But I want us to consider this. In the original context, when Paul read this, or when the letter was read to the church, everyone was in one room. Men, women, single men and women, uh, husbands, wives, children, everyone. All scripture is useful for teaching, for correction, for training in righteousness. So there's a word in here for all of us, regardless of our marital status. Even if you're not married, many of us belong to small groups, and in our lives there are other married women. So I hope that in our time together we'll be able to know how can we pray for each other, how can we walk alongside each other. So I want to encourage all of you to stick with me and ask the Lord to instruct our hearts this morning. So before we go any further, can we just pray together? God, um, we thank you for your word. We thank you that on a Saturday morning, as women, we have so many other things pulling at us, that you would allow us to come and spend a couple of hours. God, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds, that you would free us from distractions so that we would hear your word clearly. And Holy Spirit, would you do the work of drawing us closer to you? In and of ourselves, we are prone to, wa prone to wander, but we trust you and we humble ourselves before you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So let's dig into our passage. Look at verse 22 with me. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. There's so much to be said in that one sentence alone. Paul's going to address the husbands later, but he first starts off with the wives. If you can be honest with yourself, what kind of thoughts come to your mind when you hear the word submit? By definition alone, the word implies giving in to someone else's authority, giving up your independence, giving up some sense of control. Exactly what women want to hear, right? But all of us submit to authority. Men, women, children. When we obey the speed limit or file our taxes, we're submitting to the laws of the land. At work, you submit to your boss. Children are asked to submit to their parents. In the church context, God calls all of us to submit to our pastors and their leadership. So in that sense, we do it without thinking much about it, right? In this particular context, though, Paul is speaking specifically to wives in the context of marriage. All of a sudden, that doesn't seem easy. Now, our understanding of submission in marriage could be shaped or clouded because of our past experiences. Maybe you grew up around moms or other female family members who just gave in to what their husbands said without asking, without questioning, or having any, any opinions or say in anything. Maybe you grew up in a home where your mom was very uh, opinionated and dominating. Maybe your father had uh, the attitude towards her, whatever you want, honey, happy life e or happy wife equals happy life, right? Maybe you grew up in a home where your father didn't care for your mom and, was, and he was very dominating. Maybe you grew up in a home which was abusive and you saw your mom being abused, and just, she just seemed helpless. And you still have so much anger and pain about all of it, 
and you swore that would never be you. Friends, in all of these examples, the picture of submission is a distorted one, an imperfect one, a broken one. But would you hear me? This is not what God intended for us. Submission, the way God defines it, is very countercultural. In fact, as I was studying this passage, I was so struck by something. The call for a husband to lead and for a wife to submit was not a result of the fall. At our last mini-retreat, Sarah and Colleen both talked about how, uh, or talked us through the first chapters of Genesis. We heard that everything God designed and created was good. He created Adam and Eve, and as part of his perfect plan, Adam would lead lovingly and sacrificially, and Eve, in turn, would submit to his leadership. Sadly, we know that God's good and perfect plan was marred forever as a result of man's sin. Satan ignored Adam's call and deceived Eve. And as Christy pointed out earlier, Adam gave up his God-given call and stepped aside. Eve disregarded her husband and was tempted to sin. Sin ruined God's perfect plan for us. God instituted loving leadership gets replaced with selfish, self-serving rule. God-designed submission gets distorted by prideful, self-exalting control. Submission sounds so overbearing and archaic, doesn't it? But you know what? Our culture, what people say, and our own experiences will always be tainted and distorted. But again, that's not how God designed it. It's not supposed to divide or cause bitterness. Instead, having our identities established in Christ, the call for a husband to lovingly lead and for a wife to submit willingly brings joy and unity in a marriage. You see, marriage was not just designed for our pleasure. Everything that God created, including marriage, was to reflect who he is, his goodness, his perfect love. Marriage was created to point a broken world back to God. So today, if there's something that I'd like for us to take back from this passage, this is, this is it. When wives choose willingly to submit to their husbands and husbands lovingly lead their wives, the world is pointed back to the glorious picture of Christ and his bride, the church. Would you take a look at verse 22 with me? Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. So first we read, submit to your own husbands. If you look back quickly, you don't have to look at it right now. If you look back at verse 21, Paul addresses the whole church and tells us that we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So there's a sense of mutual submission. And this again includes all believers, men, women, children, everyone. But in this verse, wives are called to submit to their own husbands in one more specific area, and that is in their marriage to the God-ordained authority of their own husbands. Not all husbands, but to their own husbands. 
And the last part of the verse tells us that wives should submit as to the Lord. Now, this is very important. Paul is telling wives that your submission brings glory to Christ. We're going to read later that Christ is the head of the church and the church submits to Christ. Friends, your submission is not about how you feel about your husband, about whether he's worthy of your submission. Do you realize we're sinners married to another sinner? He will never be worthy of your submission. And Paul knows that. But Christ, he is worthy of your submission. Your submission to your husband is a picture of your submission to Christ. Your submission to your husband is as to the Lord. Submission has so much more to do with the attitudes of our hearts as much or more than it has to do with our actions. What do our attitudes communicate to our husbands? Do our attitudes encourage them to lead? Is our submission conditional? I know of a friend whose husband wanted to start up a business. It was a long-time dream of his. She didn't think it was the best idea. But you know what? She decided to go ahead and support him in this decision, and so they started this business. Needless to say, say, it fell apart within a few years. It ended up being a lot more challenging than they anticipated. Now, my friend is one of the strongest women I know. She could have gone back to her husband and said, you never should have. But she didn't. She trusted in God's sovereignty over everything, including her husband's business plan, when it didn't pan out. She didn't jump back in to take charge either. Ultimately, her, husband, her submission to her husband was as to the Lord, and then her husband was freed once again to lead without feeling judged by her. Now, some of you may be sitting there listen, uh, listening and saying, sure, that sounds so easy for you to say. You don't know my husband. He's just too passive. We would never get anywhere if we waited for him to do things. I have to take the charge of things in my home. Again, what do our attitudes convey to our husbands? Are we constantly questioning their motives and their decisions? In the last, pa- in the last part of this passage, in verse 33, we're asked to respect our husbands. Have you ever been in a situation where you've heard a wife call her husband out in front of other people? I have. And it's one of the most awkward, unfortunate situations. Maybe you're thinking, I would never do that. Maybe it's just that silent rolling of your eyes which conveys so much more loudly our disrespect. Or maybe we just put up pretenses, pretending that we're on board with everything they say while we're seething silently on the inside. Whether you realize it or not, our emotions will surface somewhere else, and we will communicate that disrespect. Over and over again, I've heard, the worst worst thing for our husbands to feel is disrespect from us. Our husbands are fallible. 
they will make mistakes and we will disagree with them. But our submission to them should not be just when it suits us or when we think our way is right or better. John Piper, who's a famous pastor and theologian, puts it this way. Submission is a divine calling as a wife to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and help carry it through according to her gifts. It's the disposition to follow a husband's authority and an inclination to yield to his leadership. In verse 23, Paul tells us that the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and is himself its savior. Then he goes on to say in verse 24, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. See, Paul is establishing a pattern in these verses. He's reminding his readers about an order that exists, an order that God created. The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And then Paul is telling us that as the church submits to Christ, who is the head, wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now I have to make another point here. Submitting to your husbands in everything does not mean that you will submit to anything that is contrary to God's commands. What happens if your husband has an addiction of any kind? Gambling, porn, alcohol, drugs, things that affect you and your family. What if you're in a marriage where your husband is abusive to you or your children? Friends, I want, to hear, I want you to hear this clearly. I want you to reach out to someone, your pastor, your elders in the church, because God will never ask you to submit to anyone or anything where blatant sin is involved. Your primary responsibility is towards your children, to protect yourself and them. Your ultimate authority is God. Now, none of this is easy. It's not. It will take you a lot of courage to make some of these difficult choices. But remember, your identity is in Christ. Your strength to make these decisions will come from him alone. I needed to say that before we continue any further. So having considered when you should not submit, let's consider what it means for wives to submit in everything. Simple, it just means this. There should be no realm or area of life that does not fall under the headship of our husbands. Now, this is going to look very different in your home than it does in mine. Maybe you're better with your finances than your husband, and he doesn't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. So do the finances. You should do it. But again, what does your attitude convey to your husband? Do you together agree that this is a gift of yours? Or does it convey to him that he cannot be trusted? What about when it comes to raising children or disciplining them? Perhaps you and your husband have completely different perspectives on what this should look like. What do you do? Can you bring your wisdom to the table and then submit to his leadership in every area of your home, including over your children? 
Submission says that you don't make any decision unilaterally. Husbands and wives are one in flesh, and so God wants us to work together under one head, and that head is a husband. Let me give you an example. I'm not a dancer. Not slow, not fast, nothing. I don't dance. We didn't dance at our wedding, thank God. But if you've seen a couple dancing, one person takes the lead and the other follows. There's just something beautiful, right? It's graceful. Well, in a marriage, God gave that leadership to the husband. He takes the lead and the wife follows. If both decided to lead, it would be disastrous. There would be a lot of butting of heads and stepping on toes. Perhaps you're not buying into this still. Maybe it still makes the wife just sound inferior and not equal with her husband. I want to remind you of our greatest example, Jesus Christ himself. Jesus was equal with the Father, yet he submitted to his Father's holy will. We know about, or we've been going through the book of Mark on Sundays, so we've been hearing about how Jesus cries out to God in the Garden of Gethsemane before he's arrested. And he asks God, take this cup of suffering away from me. But then he submits and says, but not my will, but yours be done. Now, when you see the resolve with which God, Jesus goes to the cross, can any of us question or claim it as weakness? Would any of us doubt his power? Absolutely not. Instead, we see a quiet, matchless strength. Ladies, Jesus is our example. We can submit without feeling inferior because our identity is in him. It's because of who we are in him. And we can submit to our husbands Ultimately, because we're submitting to Christ, and it's our obedience to him. We're going to read in a few moments what is required of the husbands. Before we get, or when we get there, we're not going to hear the Apostle Paul telling them, you ought to force your wives to submit. No, because this call to the wives is meant to be joyful and voluntary. Because, as I said earlier, when wives choose willingly to submit to their husbands and husbands lovingly lead their wives, the world sees a glorious picture of Christ and his bride, the church. Let's move to the husbands now. Let's read verse 25 together. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So what does this loving headship look like? Husbands are called to be the head of their wives and to love them, even as Christ loved the church. Now, since, there are, since there are no men or husbands in this room, we're going to consider what God requires of them and what implications that might have on us as wives. Now, there is a great responsibility that comes with being the head. The husband is called to love his wife sacrificially and lovingly like Christ loved the church. I would imagine that if our husbands take it seriously, they feel a great weight to do this well. I would imagine if submitting does not come naturally to us, 
Loving sacrificially the way Christ did does not come naturally to them either. Maybe some of you have seen the show The Apprentice. I like watching TV. My, do- my daughter and I like watching the British version. She loves their accents. But anyway, on the show, people are divided into teams, and, they're gi- and each group is given a business-related task. And for each, t- for each task, the team, or they pick a team leader. And at the end of the task, one team wins, and obviously the other loses. The losing team ends up in the boardroom of Lord Sugar, um, Donald Trump's counterpart. But do you know who always gets questioned for the team's failure? The team leader. And nine times out of ten, do you know who gets fired? It's a team leader, of course. In fact, we saw this happen in Genesis. After they sinned, Adam and Eve hid from God. Do you know who God calls out to first? He first calls Adam and questions him. Adam was responsible for not stepping up and doing what God asked him to do, for not being the team leader. Now, as you examine your own life, would you say that your husband would say that you have a posture or attitude that makes it easy for him to lead? Does your attitude convey respect and your trust in his leadership? Does your tone with him encourage him to take lead? And in the next few verses, Paul is going, on to, is going to go on to describe the sacrificial kind of love that is expected of husbands, the kind of love that cherishes nourishes and loves their wives as their own bodies, a kind of love that makes them go out of their way to consider his wife's needs before his own. Again, you might be sitting in your seat thinking, my husband does not love me like that. He doesn't even come close to it. You don't know my husband. Maybe you're married to a man who does not share your love for God or is an unbeliever. Surely this posture of submission does not apply to you, right? Now, I can't imagine how hard or challenging that situation must be. But God knows the situation that you're in. In fact, the Apostle Peter also acknowledges this. You don't have to turn there again, but in one of his letters, the Apostle Peter writes, or he addresses the believing believing wife who is married to an unbeliever. He encourages you to stay and to have a submissive attitude even in your situation. Do you know why? So that perhaps through your actions and your posture, your husband might come to know the Lord and turn towards him. I want to bring us to our last point. We won't read through these verses right now, but in verses 26 through 32, we'll see that marriage as designed by God points to a greater picture of the relationship of Christ and his church. I read it written like this somewhere. God does not exist to make much of marriage. Marriage exists to show the world the glory of Christ and the church. In Genesis, Adam starts off by professing his love for Eve by writing this romantic poem, 
And very soon after that, he throws her under the bus. But Jesus Christ, the perfect Adam, redeemed his bride, the church. He alone did perfectly what no husband can ever do. And we read in verse 27 that he did this so that he might present the church in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, holy and without blemish. In verse 31 and 32, the Apostle Paul quotes from the book of Genesis, and he reminds his readers that a man and woman, or man will leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And then Paul goes on to say that the whole thing's a mystery. What's the mystery? Well, it's simply this, that from the beginning of time, God designed marriage to be an earthly picture of what would one day become a reality through Christ. While the generations before Christ did not know about this, the mystery was made clear after Jesus' sacrificial death and resurrection. And he did all of it to redeem his bride, the church. He did this so that he could present us spotless, sinless, without blemish. For those of us who have trusted in Jesus and in the Lordship of Christ, regardless of our past, we are one day going to be adorned at the ultimate wedding feast. And that's incredible news. Our posture, our willing submission to our husbands is pointing the world to this glorious truth. Because when wives choose willingly to submit to their husbands and husbands lovingly lead their wives, the world sees a glorious picture of who Christ is and his bride, the church. Friends, where do you stand in all of this? Would you consider the role that you have played in your marriage? If your posture has not been one of submission, would you repent before God and perhaps when you go home ask your husbands for forgiveness? We won't always do this perfectly, and I don't want us to leave this place feeling condemned because Jesus is our example, and he is also our hope. He offers so much grace to all of us, knowing that we will fail and we sin. But he is the one who can equip us to fulfill this calling that he has placed on us. Are you in a marriage where your husband does not know the Lord, or does not lead the way as Christ calls him to? Would you consider your heart first? Have you submitted well to him as your obedience to Christ? Would you consider praying and asking God to enable you to do it well so that he may know Jesus and turn to him through your posture? If you're in a difficult, if you're in a difficult marriage, would you consider Christ? He alone is the perfect groom who has loved you in a way no earthly man can. I also know this, that God is able to transform a marriage that seems hopeless. God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, so we can cry out to God and ask him to transform your marriage. 
Now, if you are here, friend, and if you think this whole thing is new and foreign to you, and if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, the one you should consider submitting to first is Christ. You are invited to be part of this family, of God's family, not because of who you are, or not because of what you've done, good or bad, but because of what Christ has done on your behalf. So you can rest in who Christ is, but you are invited to submit your life to Christ and to turn to him. And for all of us in this room, as part of the family of Christ, let's ask the Lord to help us celebrate godly marriages. Let's encourage them amongst ourselves that whether we are married or single, we would encourage our sisters to, uh, to submit joyfully and willingly because this was ordained by God for our good and for his glory. Let's pray. God, uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you that in Jesus we find the greatest example of submission, that though being equal with the Father, you showed us what it looked like to submit. So Lord, as women, would you enable us to submit to you first, you being our ultimate authority, and then help us to submit as our obedience to you. You know the hearts of all the women here, and we pray that our hearts and our minds would be turned to you, so that in all these things, we would make much of who you are and bring glory to your name. It's in your name we pray. Amen.